Welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question... Does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood? My name is Megan. And I'm Steve. And today we are reviewing Salute Your Shorts. I keep almost calling it Camp Anawana. <laughs> Because that's the theme song. You would be song. close. That's the name of the camp. <laughs> yeah. Um, Salute Your Shorts, which was a Nickelodeon live action TV show that ran in the summers and then uh, later on for several years, kind of in syndication, but more like just reruns. Mm -hmm. And you can find that on the Paramount Network. So you can go just to the Paramount Network or you can do what we did, which is get it through Prime. Yes. And actually only... I think 12, 11 or 12 episodes are on there right now. Um, the show had a total of 26. So I don't know if maybe you can find bootleg versions probably on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you can find both seasons complete. But, but it, it seems like it's select shows that yeah, are on. Yeah, but you may also want to wait till our full review to find out if you want to bother doing that's that. That's true. To be honest with you guys. So that's what we've got. And then um, our next episode, we're in the middle of our cycle right now. We do a cartoon and then a live action TV and then a movie. And our movie is also camp themed. And that is Camp Nowhere. So that is what's coming up later. But for now... But first... Our non-sponsored snack review. Okay, really? This time it is completely non-sponsored because I had to make it. Yes. And describe what's in front of you right now, Steve. So it is a, it is a bucket used for playing on the beach. Or in? Dirt, I guess. And it is got a little shovel attached to it. And inside it is some kind of concoction of Oreo cookies and pudding. Yeah, and so here, uh, I, I've been wanting to do this for a while. I waited till a camp thing because we're outside, we're in nature, we're at camp, we're playing in the dirt, right? A, a little bit of history for you guys. Some people think that this is a dessert that kind of started based on the Mississippi mud pie. Mississippi mud pie is like a gooey kind of chocolate sauce on top of a like cookie crumb. Mm -hmm. crust and that has actually only been around since about 1975 um according to some food historians from what i could figure out food timeline steve's gonna take a, a taste of it here while i talk this is something that really did start in the 1980s and somebody kind of came up with this possibly a kid's version of mississippi mud pie mm -hmm. the earliest printed version is in like the late 80s and it's called kansas dirt cake even though it's not really cake and that had margarine with confectioner sugar and cool whip and then that was blended with pudding and then the oreos on top okay so this is actually this particular recipe is from my aunt billy my aunt billy her real name was Wilhelmina, but you could see why she wanted to go by Billy. Yes. Um, my Aunt Billy was a floral designer. She was a florist. And okay. she did these beautiful arrangements. And so the one day um, we're at a party and she brings this flower pot and it's got silk flowers in it. Yep. And then we look closer and there's gummy worms. And it was, she had made dirt, but she did it in like the most beautiful way. Like yes. it would be on Pinterest. <laughs> That's yeah. how beautiful this dirt was. And 
I only had it like maybe three or four times since she made it. Then she passed when I was in high school and then I became gluten-free. So Oreo just released a gluten-free Oreo. Oreo. Yes. And so I'm about to have for the first time in probably 15 years at least an Oreo. I'm very yes. I'm very excited. So I've seen this this dirt concoction. concoction before. I was actually at I think it was in college. Mm-hmm. I went to a a summer camp for a week like right after college ended. It was for college kids and they served as a dessert for lunch one day. They had these as like the centerpieces. Oh, fun. And so there was like a pot a plant pot. And then they had, like, a fake flower in it, but it was filled with, like, the top was crushed up just the Oreo part of the Oreo cookie. Right. So it looked like legit dirt, and it was crushed up really fine. And then inside, I think it was chocolate pudding. Yeah, some of the versions have chocolate and some have vanilla. Yeah, so basically, they in a lot of us, I guess some people had probably been there before and knew what it was, but I didn't think about it. And they were like, okay, your dessert is already in front of you. <laughs> like, dig in. And we were like, what the heck? And then we dug in. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Yeah. So I had seen it before in that manner. So yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's really, it's kind of fun. And I'm going to link the recipe on the blog because... Um, Unlike some of my grandmother's recipes, which, by the way, she told me, don't give these to anybody, especially not people in our family. They won't make it right. <gasps> sorry nice. to my... I know some of my cousins listen to this. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> my grandma was like, there's a particular pie. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I know some of your cousins and they'll use skim milk instead of heavy cream. And I'm like, I don't know that they would do that, but all right. Anyway, um, my Aunt Billy did not make any such claim to the dirt recipe. Okay. And Jell-O, in fact, kind of capitalized on this and they put out different, like, full page ads with recipes for dirt. The one that we have here is two blocks of cream cheese mm-hmm. mixed with three cups of confectioner's sugar oh boy which i felt like was maybe a lot but i did follow the recipe okay then it's two things of instant pudding that you make yeah and then you mix that with a large thing of cool whip okay so it's the pudding the cool whip the cream cheese and the sugar in case you didn't have enough confectioner's sugar and then you layer it with the Oreos, and then you're supposed to, like you said, very finely crumble them on top, which I did have time for. Okay, well, that's a lot of sugar. I'm glad I'm going to be up late playing Dungeons & Dragons tonight. <laughs> well, we only have a little bit of it here because it was so much that I was like, we cannot, the two of us, just eat this. So we'll take it to a church picnic uh, in, a, in a little bit and get all the kids there hopped up on sugar, which okay. should be hilarious. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, so that's dirt. A little bit of history of dirt. A, a dessert that really did start in the 80s just with parents kind of experimenting with different things and then the company picked up on it and, and now it's like a thing that kids have. I want to cry right now because I haven't had an Oreo in so long. And I've, I'm not, I was never a huge Oreo person, but this with the cream cheese and the pudding, it's so good. All right, so that it's gets so to our good. ratings. All right, so... We are at camp. We're doing Salute Your Shorts. So we should rate it out of... Out of cabins? Okay, cabins right. works. 
camp cabins. One out of five for the snack. We always pick something random, but it's one out of five for the snack and one out of ten for the show. Oh, this is a clear ten. I want to eat that whole bucket right now. But that you can't give it a ten. You can only give it a oh, five. Oh, I can only give it a five. Yes. <laughs> it's too we, much. We just explained this system to the I listeners. Know, but I'm so excited. The dirt's so good. I haven't had an Oreo. You guys don't know. Here's the thing. When you're gluten-free, we talked about this with the Girl Scout cookies. They have now a gluten-free Girl Scout cookie. It's very sandy. This Oreo tastes like an Oreo. Did it taste like an Oreo to you? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. My point, you can't tell the difference, Right. Though. No, it's good. It's very well it's done, so for, especially for a gluten-free thing. <laughs> I don't want to, so, like, cry about don't it. Don't cry about it's, it. Most gluten-free so, stuff tastes so bad, you guys don't even know. So, I will... I'm also going to give it a five. It's sweet, which I like. Um, pudding, Oreos all together, which are all things I like. And it's also pretty instant. You guys, we know how I don't like patient snacks. No, I know. So I don't have to wait. I don't have to unwrap it. I don't have to lick it for a long time. <laughs> That's gross. Right? Yeah. Like, so I can just eat it and consume it quickly. So I like that too. So I'll give it a five Yeah, the, the tang of the cream cheese and the sweetness of the pudding and the Oreo, it all goes together really well. It's beautiful. Yes. All right. So hope you guys enjoy it too. I'll link that recipe on our blog. So. Yeah. Five, five cabins, cabins out, out of five. five. Five out of five cabins for Oreo dirt. Love it. And now we're going to come into our summary of the show. Um, this is a series that's about teenage kids. It's set in a fictional summer camp, Camp Anawana. Um, and it focuses on the campers basically having fun, doing pranks on each other. Um, overcoming camper drama kind of stuff. Um, and their strict and bossy counselor, who mm-hmm. is in like his 20s, maybe. Ugh. Ugh, yep. <laughs> um, and the various like capers and jocularities and things like that that happen each episode. The, the jocularities? The jocularities, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought I was dealing with a highbrow crowd here. No. Apparently, I'm not. <laughs> all right um yeah so i think that this has kind of an interesting story behind Mm -hmm. it so we have two individuals the first is steven slavkin and the second is his co-writer thomas hill Mm -hmm. so they wrote a book together called salute your shorts life at summer camp and um, there's this great video I'm going to link on the blog of, I think it was from their 25th reunion. The whole cast and crew got together at, okay. a, at a conference in Portland. And they have this great panel discussion. So some of our fun facts are from there and some are from different articles I found online. But okay. basically he said that he wanted to write this book about what camp was really like. So things like, you know, you go away and your parents think that you're going to be have a nickname like Champ or Slugger. And mm-hmm. instead you, you get a nickname like Loser or Donkey Lips. Right. Right. And um, so they toured for this book and they really heavily promoted it in 1986. Eventually, the book did pretty well. They met with Propaganda Films, um, or Steven Slavkin at least did. And then, uh, um, so that's a production company, not a prop, not, they don't actually make propaganda. Um, and they took it to Nickelodeon. And in 1990, they talked with Jay Mulvaney, 
And he was like, this is a great fit for Nickelodeon because... As Steve just said, it's the the jocularities of what happens in a summer camp. But it's a space for kids, right? right? Without, like, the influence or the interference of parents right. and, and adults. They had things like, you can't do that on television. And, you know, other yeah. things that dealt with teenage kids and kind of were comedies a little bit. So that makes sense. Yeah, so it's kids in a kid environment. Um, so they did the pilot in 1990. And then... They waited a year and Nickelodeon, like, wouldn't give them straight answers, wouldn't pick it up. Eventually, a year later, it gets picked up. But when they bring the cast in to, like, kind of, you know, bring them back, a bunch of them are too old now. Because they're supposed to be and really look 13, 14. Well, now you have these, like, 16, 17-year-olds who are, like, kind of looking more sophisticated than what they wanted. So they only brought back three people, Ugg the Counselor, Donkey Lips, and Budnick. All the other parts were recast. And um, the girl who played Telly talked about the casting process. Like, she um, read for all the female roles, but she really wanted, like, the one in particular. So I think it sounded like they kind of did that with most of the parts. Okay. Like, it could have just kind of seen, like, who was a good fit for mm-hmm. what. Um, the kid who played Sponge said that he really only auditioned for that, though, because he was, like, he felt like he was kind of a nerd and a misunderstood genius. <laughs> right, right. Like he wanted that part. And my favorite audition story though is Michael who played Donkey Lips and he said that they had him do this scene where he ate like dry macaroni the way you would do in camp to make like mm-hmm. pictures and stuff. He broke a tooth. They thought he was acting and they all laughed. <laughs> and then so he has this crazy audition where he breaks a tooth and he gets a call from his agent a year later saying, hey, we think you'll be great for this part on this show, Salute Your Shorts. And he was like, I already did that show. So he comes in and the producers are like, why are you here? You're already on the show. But then he goes, I guess I'm here to audition. And he basically did the same thing again and had to eat this dry macaroni. <laughs> I guess a little more carefully the second time. Um, but I just thought that was such a funny story. The theme song, they wanted to be a little irreverent. And that's why the word fart is in there. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's the only television theme song with that word in the lyrics. But the second um, verse of that song has donkey lips holding like a fishing rod going this thing came apart and apparently he ad-libbed that so he was supposed to say again um it makes me want to fart but when he when they gave him the prop it actually did fall apart and he was like what if i just like kind of Mm -hmm. use that and then it ended up being in the beginning part of the show which i thought was kind of fun a lot of them had um, ailments or injuries just like you would get at a real camp, like eye injury or, um, you know, hurting yourself from, you know, while you're swimming or whatever. And they also said that it was really like, for many of them, being at a camp. Several of the kids there, you know, sometimes kid actors don't always have a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. And there might be, usually when you're that age of like 11, 12, 13, you might be the only kid your age on a set. 
Right. So this was a totally different experience. And they had to learn things like playing basketball, playing volleyball, going kayaking, like all of the stuff that they would then have to do in the show. Right. So I thought that that was just kind of fun. And they also enjoyed the fact that a lot of them are kind of based in stock characters. Right. Like the jerk and the nerd and the fat kid. But they talked about how the plots on the show, you know, the writing for for what it was, allowed them to kind of explore these types that they would be pigeonholed in. But like to round out their characters. Right. So they have, for instance, an episode where um, Donkey Lips likes Dina, right? And he's able to be like, for an episode at least, kind of a leading guy. Yeah. Where he's flirting with a girl and she might give him a chance if they were in a camp together every day. (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. Where a lot of shows would always have him be just the best friend. Right. Right. Um, So I thought that was kind of a nice fun fact as well. In terms of production, though, they really tried to do something different with this show. That um, they didn't have it just be like, we've talked about single cam and multi-cam. They didn't just have like a sitcom setup um, and all of that kind of thing. They wanted it to be filmed more um, with single cam from one angle and then another angle. And we could see that. We'll talk about it as we go into the episodes, how that effect is kind of used in some instances. It seems a little dated because they're Uh, using like a fisheye lens and stuff, Right, but it has a different look than like the multi-cam with cameras and just one set. Right. They're moving around. They're walking through the woods. They're by the lake. It it's set at the camp, but it's not like just in the cabin all the time or just outside. They want it to be authentic. Yeah, and they wanted the kids to be authentic, too. Like, the producer in this panel says one of the girls' moms came up to him and was like, I have something horrible to tell you. My daughter wants braces. And he's like, yeah, get her braces. Like, let let the kid not have... And they wrote into the show. Yeah, and and they have... Well... They wanted the kids to look natural. They didn't. They were like, just have them wake up in the morning and do their hair the way they would do it yeah. and come in. Yeah, there was no hair and makeup on set. Yeah, because exactly. they wanted the kids to look like they had been at camp. Which at camp you're like have a collective shower sometimes, right, right. and you you might not always. Which that's why we ate dirt for our snack, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's that kind of thing. Um, yeah. What also fascinates me is that you know this was only twenty six episodes over two seasons, so it ran from you know the summer of ninety one and then the summer of ninety two. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they they played these episodes so many times. Like I was honestly surprised when we looked at how many episodes there were. Because I remember it being a bigger thing that was on all the time. Yeah. Like, we got cable around this point, so that might have been part of it, too. Mm -hmm. But I will say, it's kind of comparable. We haven't watched this. I don't know if we will. I guess it was around the same time, but it feels to me more like a younger kid's show that maybe we didn't watch as much. But Lizzie McGuire was on Disney. Lizzie McGuire was only on for two seasons and had 31 episodes. Mm -hmm. Again, when I think about that show and how much it was on, and then the fact that with that show there were, like, movies and they did a reboot later on, like, it felt to me like there was, like, at least 100 episodes to put it into syndication. Yes. But really, like, that's how these networks worked. It wasn't, like... 
the amount of content that we have today with like Netflix or Hulu where there's a new show like every yeah. couple weeks, right? They really milked this for all it was worth, I think. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of um, my last fun fact. Just that it was only 26 episodes, but it had these legs. They, they do reunions every so often. They do autograph signings and... People just really love it. Um, In the production, it was funny because they hit a couple other little things. Like, they wanted to do um, an episode where the kids, like, snuck out to go after candy. Oh, yeah? Um, and But they were told they couldn't because of childhood, childhood obesity. Okay. So, they have an episode where the kids sneak out to go after fruit. <laughs> Which <laughs> sort of loses itself. Not the same. You know, one of the episodes yeah. we watched... They mentioned soda, but it's, like, locked up. Right. Like, and I actually, that surprised me, knowing that they had gotten such kickback from candy. Well, but they're not drinking it all the time. Yeah. It's rationed. Yeah, and instead of candy, like, it, and I think it was in this, it might have been the same episode we saw, they mentioned, as a reward at the end, we're going to get ice cream. Like, yes. instead of candy. So, which is still sweet, but not necessarily connected with junk food well, as much. Well, it, but it's also showing that it's a treat and not an everyday thing. Right. Right. Um, yeah, so the, the series was not renewed for a third season. They, they thought about it, mm-hmm. but they wanted the cast to go to Nickelodeon Studios mm-hmm. to lower the cost of production. Nickelodeon Studios is in Orlando. The cast was in L.A., Ah, so you so can see, yeah, for, especially for child actors yeah. and some of their, you know, their parents probably had lives and jobs yeah. and stuff. Um, and they also wanted to reduce the budget because they, Nickelodeon was connected to MTV and they wanted to fund Beavis and Butthead. Oh, that makes sense. A and show I'll, that we will probably never do on this also, show. Also, the author of the book, is it Steven Slavnik? Yeah, Slavnik. Um, he was in the show as well. He was Dr. Khan. Oh! Who you never see. He's yeah. the camp director that you only hear on the loudspeaker. Oh, that's such so a great... So he was the voice of Dr. Khan. That's a great fun fact. So we will take a break here. When we come back, we will talk about our memories or lack thereof <laughs> in the case of Steve. And then we will get into our full review and recap. Hey, everyone. Nick here from the S1E1 podcast. Each week, we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and ignoring anything we may know about the future run of that series, decide if it's a show that we want to greenlight or cancel. We very seriously dissect TV shows for no reason at all. I gotta pee. Fucking <laughs> old timey. Ah, I got a Frankenstein on my show. That's what I want. You, know you should about? know because right now you're dressed like a London DJ. <laughs> moving forward unless there's anything else depressing about my life you want to bring up that's impressive to find that many bad shows who's boner i don't even know what a banksy is catch us each week wherever you listen to podcasts and visit us at s1e1pod.com for links to everywhere you can find us welcome back i'm steve i'm megan and we're going to get into the memories from Salute Your Shorts. So, Megan, why don't you talk about your memories? Okay. Yeah, I don't think that I saw this right in 91, 92. Because no, thinking about it after I did the fun facts, like while we were doing the commercial break, I think that I saw it a little bit later when we got cable. So, like, 93, 94. 
So I remember that my brother really liked this show. Um, and he just thought, especially Budnick, who's kind of like, he's a jerk, but he's like a cool jerk. You know, <laughs> the, the way the actor put it on the panel was that they called him and they said, hey, want to play this character? He's an a-hole. And he was like, wait, what are you trying to say about me? <laughs> um, but, but yeah, Tim really liked it. And I started watching along with him because I think I had already just been to camp. Okay. Um, so I went, the first time I went away to overnight camp, um, I went to a couple different ones, but in sixth grade, I went, I went to confirmation camp. Mm -hmm. So I grew up Lutheran and as a Lutheran, you go through confirmation usually in like seventh and eighth grade. Um, but I think I went through in sixth and seventh, or I might've done sixth, seventh and eighth. At any rate, they had a they had a camp that they called confirmation camp, but basically it was middle schoolers. Mm -hmm. So, um, during that time, you kind of like learn, learn more about, um, like theology and stuff for confirmation. And then you say like, yes, I want to like be in the church or whatever. It's like, right. yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but the camp had like, they, they had like Bible studies and stuff. And we had some like worship time cause it's a Christian camp, but it kind of blends that along with like what other people might think of as like normal camp activities. Mm -hmm. So it was right on Lake Erie and we would go in the lake and do hikes in the woods and do, you know, games and crafts and all of that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. So I also went, I've mentioned this before, I did go to an academic camp where we took like fun classes like Shakespeare and journalism and that kind of stuff. But again, we also had, you had to do a sport or a game for one of your classes and there was like an art or a music for one of your classes as well. So you kind of took classes, but also like there was a lake cause it was on one of the finger lakes and like it was, we had a lot of fun as well. It's this not... was, this was before the Geneva convention that said you can't torture people. <laughs> it wasn't torture. It was so much fun I, because it was like enrichment. Oh, it wasn't sweetie. like, it wasn't, no, I can't explain it right because it wasn't like being in a class. What did you do for your summer? Enrichment. <laughs> Megan. One of my other summers, I did summer school for fun. And I like, oh boy. we did like four weeks of Japanese, four weeks of French and four weeks of Spanish. <laughs> that was at the actual, at my elementary school though. Um, we had radically different childhoods. Yeah. This is yeah. So at any rate, um, I, I ended up later on working at the Christian camp and yeah, I was there for, for many years at mm -hmm. that camp. I also worked at Upward Bound Camp as well, which um, kids come in from the inner city and they take enrichment courses, but to help them academically for the next year. Yes. And if they're a certain level in high school, they take college classes on campus um, and they're there for the whole summer. So that was an interesting experience. So, yeah, so I kind of just always associated this show with those memories because I felt like they were like real kids. And it reminds me a little bit of like Saved by the Bell in a way. What I mean by real kids is like more than, say, um, another, they're a little bit older, but like Beverly Hills 902. Right. Oh, yeah. They they did they did a good job of having them seem like, like relatable. Yeah. They're they're supposed to be like kind of normal. Yep. Early teens or preteens. Right. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So I know you didn't see this show, but you were at a camp and this is called Salute Your Shorts based on like the prank 
where you take somebody's boxer shorts right, and run, and them, up run the them up the flagpole. flagpole. Yep. And a lot of these are pranks. Did you guys have any pranks like that? Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't see this show um, really when I was growing up, but I went to camp. So I did, you know, I went to Boy Scout camp specifically, and then I worked at Boy Scout camp for five or six years. And so in my teens, late teens, things like that. So we did a lot. And staff do a lot of prank kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it was a great time. My camp was more um, real camp. It didn't involve church or academics. Um, we did things like canoeing yeah, we did and that. archery and BB guns and knot tying and nature. Um <laughs> I don't like your attitude right now. Things you we, do at we camp. Took, we took kids on canoe trips, and we had archery and stuff like that. We also had an obstacle course in the woods, like a like a ropes course. Sure you did, sweetie. And you had to, like, calculate the distance? No! And make a project on no, it? No, but, well, you talk about how God helps you. <laughs> I'm like, okay. you do talk about how God helps you overcome yeah. obstacles and stuff, uh, yeah. But yeah, so we I had a blast growing up doing that in camp. So this show did remind me a little bit like that. Um, and we had, you know, most of the time, like I said, I had spent time as a camper, but most of my time I was actually a counselor. Right, yeah, me too. So I understood that concept as well. Um, and a lot of my bonds were built as a counselor. So, but we did do things like that. We did pranks, um, especially normally at the end of a season, we would do like a big staff prank. Mm, okay. um, normally normally what we do is we'd wait until after the kids left unless it was something or to make sure it was something that didn't interfere with programming oh gotcha okay. right but like one time um we put uh one of the adult staff members car on a raft in the middle of the lake okay um <laughs> that's actually really good yes another time we stacked all of the chairs and tables in the dining hall into a pyramid <laughs> Um, these are like like legit this is kind of what we saw on the show like these are really intricate like we would just like scare people in the woods when we knew they were camping there overnight oh no 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 we (laughs) we we went above and beyond yeah um another time we ran a boat up the flagpole oh yeah yeah shorts is for amateurs but that's okay get the boat to not break no that's a lot it was like a metal rowboat and we we had a steel flagpole yeah, but the... It was cemented into the ground. But you only have whatever string is there. It's pretty good rope. All right. Yeah, we tied it in a few places and ran that puppy up. Um, <laughs> this so, is Boy Scout camp. Yeah. Let's work on our knot skills. Yeah, we figured this out. Don't you worry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there was a lot of things like that. And, of course, you know, we were out... A lot of times we were doing things like past curfew. We were running around at night and things like that. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun. But that reminded me of it a little bit. I wonder, as I'm thinking about this, if part of the reason that this didn't go further as a show, like part of the reason it didn't go past two seasons, yeah, is the fact that they were kind of late to the party, right? I feel like nine, I feel like the 70s and 80s especially were really big summer camp decades, and by the by 90 when they're coming out with this show. The late 80s and early 90s became a lot more like latchkey kid stuff, where mm. parents just left their kids home in the summer but didn't do things. Like, there was HBO, there was video games coming out, and not as many kids went to camp in the 90s, and especially the 2000s, they went to summer camp 
when, yeah, when I will, you know, so, in the decades before that. Yeah, I was thinking, it, it, I sorry for interrupting you, I guess... I was going to say, I mean, even when I worked at camp, so the last year that I worked at the Christian camp, I think was 2002, Mm -hmm. um, after I graduated, I was dating somebody who was running the camp. So I ended up kind of working there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, I think we had really robust programming. We had a lot of people there. Having said that, the kids who came to that camp. Uh, they came for a week. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they would come for a week, they'd leave for the weekend, and they'd come back the sec- another week. Okay. But I think that you're right in that the what they're depicting here, a lot like the parent trap. Right. 60s, 70s, and, and 80s. You would have kids who just went away for the whole summer. Right. And, yeah, I never did that in part because my parents were both teachers, so they were off in the summer. Right. Right. But, um, yeah, I didn't think about that, that maybe kids couldn't relate to it quite as much. And the kids that were going to your camp were a very select group because it was Christian kids that were going there because of their church. Yeah. Right? My, the same with me. Boy Scouts, you went to you go to summer camp as right. a Boy Scout. Right. But it used to be, especially like the 70s and 80s, people who Everybody's weren't in like, Scout would go to summer camp. Right. Yeah, and I'm thinking too, so my brother who's kind of like an exennial, he's like in between Gen X and millennials because he's right 1983. I <laughs> think he's yeah. right there. He went to day camp, which I knew a lot of kids at that. Okay. So like in the in the like you're saying in the 90s into the 2000s a lot more kids would go to day camp, and that's still going on today. Yeah, well, like, now you have sports camps right. where they'll go and do soccer or basketball or something like so that. So I think he did a day camp at, like, in in our town, it was through this thing called the Keenan Center, but they also had it, like, through the Y. Mm-hmm. And you'd go to, um, I ended up, actually, I worked at a day camp as well through the Y um, for a couple summers in grad school. So you would go to the camp and it was like at a school or sometimes the Y had an actual camp, Yeah, but you would just be there from like, I think most of our kids were there from like nine to maybe three, like same kind of school hours. Right. Right. Um, Tim's I think was just nine to 12 for his soccer camp that he did. Maybe, maybe eight to one at the outset Mm -hmm. of it. Um, yeah, I think you're right that that I think became much more common. And as you know, a lot of the camps now are closing. So the Christian camp that I worked at closed. A number of people who used to work there worked together to buy it. And mm-hmm. now they're kind of fixing it up. We live a little bit far away for me to kind of help with that effort. I have donated. <laughs> I'd like to go and actually kind of help. But they're trying to kind of revive it. The Boy Scout camp you worked at also sold. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or went just... The Boy Scouts sold it. Yeah. They did. Yeah. So to me, it's kind of sad in this show and then the movie that we're going to watch for next week, um, they have, when we watch this, there is this sense of nostalgia for something that is kind of lost because that's like a whole culture that's kind of gone. Yeah. It's not around as much anymore. Um, Now that I feel sad and old... Let's get into our full review and recap. All right, so full review or in-depth review. We did two episodes of Salute Your Shorts. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first one we chose um, from Season 1, Episode 4, and you chose this one. Yep. And it was Wrath of Khan Jr. 
Yes. Um, a play off of, of course, Star Trek, but the fact that the director of camp's name is Dr. Khan. Yeah. Um, and- well, we had just gone to this Star Trek kind of museum. Yes. Like replica place. So that was on my mind. And when I saw the title, I was like, yeah, yeah let's choose that one. Uh, so basically the, the camp director's niece, Ellen, comes to visit camp. Yes. Um, and, you know, Ugg, the counselor, is all concerned. He wants her to have a fun time so that she tells her uncle and then he gets a promotion mm-hmm. or a raise and doesn't lose his job. Um, and so he puts her with the kids to have them basically show her around camp. Um, and at first, everything seems okay. But then they realize that she can kind of get away with anything. Yeah, because she's anytime she she likes to cause trouble. Anytime she does, Ugg isn't going to say anything to her because he doesn't want her to go back to her uncle and complain. Right. Um, so they start to use that. The rest of the kids are like, oh, this is awesome. Like, let's do stuff. So the girls kind of partner with her to water balloon the boys yeah, and attack them. Um, and, you know, they think that it's great because now they can't get in trouble either. They're with Ellen. But then Ellen turns on them and trashes their room just because she can. Yeah, she's troubled, obviously. She's troubled and she likes attention. <laughs> yeah, she wants So attention. she trashes the girls' room, which angers them. Um, then she, she goes in and she messes with the boys. She, she starts to trash the boys' room. She also ties up the one boy to the train tracks. Yeah. Uh, it's a model train. It's a model train, but still, there's a sense of danger, Megan. Is she there? ties him up old school style to the train <laughs> yeah. tracks and yeah. has the train running towards him. Um, and she, she just starts to really screw around with camp. And she becomes basically like an enemy to the kids. So the kids turn on her and mm-hmm. decide to kind of teach her a lesson. Yeah, so first basically they ignore her and then um be- and then her behavior kind of continues and so they pull a prank on her to get revenge. Doctor or Doctor Khan? Yes. He's happy because she's never been disciplined. Ugg's happy because he gets credit for it, even though he was just bumbling the whole time. Yes. And then Ellen's like, I might come back next year. And they're like, oh, no. Yeah. They thre- <laughs> so that's basically the, they, the, the they general They threaten to do a prank on her called an awful waffle. Yeah. Which is actually happens a lot in this show. They, they utilize that, that prank they call the awful waffle, but they never do it. It's like a threat all the time. Like, here they're like, awful waffle, awful waffle. And Ugg's like, no, no, you can't do that to her. Like, it's all, I don't know if they ever show you what that actual that, prank that is. That wasn't the prank that they do with the eggs and the flour? I don't. I think that's what maybe it's called, that's an awful waffle. Maybe that's what it is, okay. Yeah, I, they don't call it that at the time, okay. but they throw eggs on her, and then, okay. the, and then the flour comes up, and okay. then feathers, right? Okay, so they basically so, tar and feather her with eggs and flour. Yeah, exactly, um, yeah. Because they mention it in a number of other episodes as well. Yeah. Um, matter of fact. There was like this this independent band in the two thousands that named itself Awful Waffle. Oh, that's hilarious! Based off of this, um, <laughs> they're big fans. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the some of the beats here. What I liked when he when Ugg first says that somebody has to take Ellen around camp, and nobody 
she's just standing there and nobody volunteers, which I thought was very realistic. Yeah. Everybody's like, no, none of us want to do this. Um, they also do, this is something that I forgot and I don't remember which camp did this, but they do like a chant where he's like, hey, everybody. And they're like, Rick, a chicka, hey. Like they do like a weird chant. Yeah. Um, which I just thought was kind of funny. It's one of those things like, we had a thing like in the dining hall where we would always like do certain like chants to get everybody quiet. Yes. And then you pray before you eat. Right. I love camp so much. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it's, it's those kind of like, that's the thing about having a space just for kids that they come up with their own rituals. Yeah. And then those rituals, like here it's in the nineties that Ricka Chicka Hay is not a 90s thing. That's like a 50s or a 40s thing that kept getting passed down. You right. know what I'm saying? But yeah, I just thought that was kind of funny. He- we, we would have a closing campfire mm-hmm. every week when we did, because our people rotated by the week. Yeah. And we would have a closing campfire where we did a lot of songs and the staff had certain skits they would do and things like that. Yeah, so that we had really that too. And we always had like a song that we played right at the end of the closing campfire to make everybody, oh, okay. yeah. Um but the other thing, that, the thing I thought was not realistic is that Ugg wants everybody to take Ellen around so he doesn't have to, so he can work on his tan. Did you ever have time for that as a camp counselor? I did I not. I sure didn't. When you're a camp counselor, you're basically on duty 24-7. Yeah. And you get like maybe Friday the campers leave. Yeah. And you get a break. The, for like a day. The other thing about this episode that I will say was not unrealistic, but I think it painted it, it bit into a heavy stereotype mm-hmm. of nepotism. Yes. Right? Where she gets away with anything because she's the niece of the director. Yeah. I found that to be opposite because at my camp, like a few of the years when I was working there as I was older, um, like the camp director, her daughter worked there and she she ran an area. And she had to do, like, more work than most people. Yeah. Because the director just pushed on her because it was her kid, right? Um, I was the program director, which is, like, the second in charge. And my younger brother, Kevin, was a CIT. Mm-hmm. And, like, he was, like, my secretary. Like, I made him do a lot of stuff. <laughs> now, there was a little bit of truth to this because there was a number of times I came to the office and found him sleeping. Well, that's Kevin. He likes but, a nap. Well, the problem was is the older staff kept him up all night oh, in the middle yeah. of the night, and then he would fall asleep during yeah. the day. But again, there was it was not like I would tear into him, be like, "What are you doing sleeping? Like, get up and go do stuff, right?" And I would send him running all over camp. So it was almost like we were more apt to put more stuff on them because they're family. We can put things on and them. And also, a lot of times, like the, the way that it works at a camp, especially, is that um, I know, like. For instance, the person at the Christian camp who did the maintenance, he lived with his family on site, basically, all year. Yeah, we had a ranger Um, like that. And so, yeah, he he kind of put a lot on his kids because eventually they might take that position over. And and also because you have four kids, like, let's get them to work. You know, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, my first time as a CIT, I set my alarm wrong and I set it for nine or for 7 p.m. to wake up instead of 7 a.m. And then I was late for my shift and people came and got me. They were like, what the heck? Mm. It's not the best way to start. Um, the song comes after this. So they have the, the tag to set up the scene and set, yep. set the premise. Um, what do you think of the song? 
I mean, it was okay. Because this is the thing where, as a kid, my brother thought this song was hilarious. Because it says would, fart. And he would, like, yell that line out. Yeah, it's one of yeah. the only show songs that ever says fart yeah. in it. And he was, like, probably eight. You know? Right. <laughs> Shouting that out. Um, I thought that it was funny that the kids were off-key. And this, to me, is a sign that this is a Nickelodeon show and not a Disney show. Yes. Because Disney shows, you know, I mentioned Lizzie McGuire, things like that. They were always way more polished, way less realistic looking or yeah. acting. And they have a big emphasis on singing ability yeah. in almost all their shows. They this want had their more kids authenticity to, be able to. to it because most kids are not on key, especially yeah. when they're 12 and 13 years old. Yeah, because their voices are changing. Yes. But this was so off key. And I'm like, oh, nobody, nobody <laughs> probably told them. Um, the camera work I kind of noticed right away as well. What did you think about the way that they did that? It you know it looks it looks a bit amateurish. Yeah. But I don't know if they did that on purpose because it's a camp because like we said there's no hair and makeup. There's no right. they really wanted to go with like that real feel or if it's just because it's 1990 as well. Like I'm looking at it and judging it as today's standards. Um but I mean it's not it, it wasn't so bad that it distracted me. It distracted me a little bit. It was just obvious that it was not I, yeah, I wonder, so that what they would do is they would film kind of the normal scene, and then they have these, and they do have from multiple angles, so you can tell mm-hmm. that they're redoing it, right? They're doing different takes and then putting them together. But what they would do at certain points is have like this extreme close-up camera, and it's almost like a fisheye lens. First of all, it seemed to be used pretty sporadically, mm-hmm. so it's not like... They're doing that at like an emotional time or yeah. And that to me, I guess it did feel amateurish. I'm guessing also because you can really tell it's not HD. So for people who are used to this is over 25 years old, this show, right? right? So we're, we're more, we're used to a different look and a different feel. Um, but it did make it feel dated. <laughs> oh, definitely. Well. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. I think it's supposed to make it seem like kids are filming it. Or at least that it's almost like a home movie quality. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of agree with that. Um, then we have uh, the the antics of Ellen. What was your favorite piece from this? Um, I did like where she spread out makeup. Yeah. The one girl has like really expensive makeup. It's interesting, too, because they're trying to use, like, out of the girls, like, it's almost like every kid is a little bit of a kid stereotype, mm-hmm. right? The girls, you have, like, the girly girl, mm-hmm. you have the nature girl, and then you have, like, the sports girl. Yes. Right? Um, And so she, like, gets into the girly girl's expensive makeup that's not made anymore and spreads it all over like snow she spreads it around like cocaine it's like scarface well, in this I, scene. I thought snow but i'm obviously a little bit more of a like you know i'm a little bit more naive and innocent than you are <laughs> oh, um, i probably just thinking of cartoon all-stars again yeah i don't know why you were like scarface <laughs> like it's kids in a camp Megan. i know but it's, so... it's not it's not colombian cartels yeah, you're right. I kind of did like like the 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 kind of dweeby guy Sponge, like Star Trek, and now he's playing with model trains, so and, she sabotages that. And he's got a computer, which is like old school. I mean, 
Yes. Yeah. And she wipes it by, yeah. like, t- this is the kind of computer with a screen that was where all the words were green and yep. you play Oregon Trail. Yeah. And the monitor she... and the keyboard were connected and it took the f- it took the five and a quarter floppies. Yes. Yeah. And she basically types in um, erase or wipe. And it wipes and out it the whole computer. And it just wipes it out. And he's like, now I have to format the whole computer again. Yes. Yeah. Which is just kind of funny to me. Um, and then there's the guy who's the um, the musician, and she snaps his guitar strings. She ruins yeah. his drum. Like, those kind of things. Um, while this is going on, so this is... So I thought it was funny because... We hadn't watched any other episodes. It's only episode four. They're still kind of establishing who these people are a little bit. So all the things she sabotages do tell you something about those characters. Especially since it focuses more on Ellen herself. But it's almost a sum... It's almost... There's almost an assumption that these kids have been together a long time. Yeah. Even though it's only the fourth episode. I went back and watched episode one. And at least the the episode one that's on Prime, there isn't a pilot of, like, everybody coming to camp. No, it's like they're they're at camp already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The part I didn't like, though, was that Ugg keeps bribing them. Yeah. And not good. It's not not an effective bribe. No. Like, she breaks all their stuff and he opens his wallet and is like, I'll pay for all of it, guys. And he hands them each, like, a buck or two. The one kid's drums got trashed. That's like hundreds of dollars in damage. Yeah, but also, why not bribe her to not do it anymore? Yeah, it, because you can't <laughs> you control her. I mean? Yeah, but yeah, that's I. I didn't really like how the camp counselor was portrayed, but realistically, this is something that I don't know. I wouldn't say struggled with, but one of the things that happens when you're a camp counselor, at least for me, is that you're in this situation where you're like 19. And some of my campers were high school. Like we had weeks with, we had weeks with like elementary, weeks with family, weeks mm-hmm. with middle school, weeks with high school. So some of my campers would be like 17 or 18. And I was only like a year older than them. Yeah. Maybe two. When I worked at um, the Upward Bound program, because of just, it was my freshman year of college. Some of the kids were in their senior year of high school. That there were, there were campers that were older than I was. Yeah, so, that's weird. It's difficult to try to be like an authority figure right. when you're 18 and there's somebody else who's like 19 and they're like, yeah. whatever. That's an organizational issue because they shouldn't be doing that. Well, they didn't. They they realized it after they hired right. me. Yeah. Um, they were like, you're only 18. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but this, so this is to me a little bit realistic. He's supposed to be 20. The oldest camper there is maybe 15. Mm-hmm. You're still in college, and now you, and it's not like high school's that far away. So I can see how he wouldn't be that effective, right? Right. And again, it's supposed to be a kid's space with little adult interference. They make him more bumbling. As we said, the episode ends with this Rube Goldberg machine, where she's tarred and feathered with eggs and flour and <laughs> some feathers. Yes. And everything works out. Ugg gets a day off. And a raise, Ellen leaves, although, and the campers have all, all sort of been made. Although she's learned her lesson so much that she might come back next year as a camper. And she's going to go and do the awful waffle on people she knows back home. Yeah, she learned that, and she was pretty happy about it. Yeah. So I'm not sure that. if that's a great lesson, but... Well, um, this isn't a show... Like, 
This is, Budnick tries to have at certain points, I forgot to mention this, but he tries to have at certain points, like, heart-to-heart talks with her. Mm-hmm. And I put in my notes, oh, I learned something today. Yeah. Because that's how 80s sitcoms were always right. structured. And they subvert that expectation by having her go, oh, yeah, and she puts a kick-me sign on his back. So yes. he thinks that he's done this great he thing. He thinks he got through to her, and she's just... So, it's a Nickelodeon show. Yeah. It's meant to be irreverent and fun, and you don't learn lessons or have morals. Right. right? So. It's also the second episode we've now done with a Rube Goldberg machine. I know. I was Because Danny that. and the Care Bears used one to try to catch the ghost last episode. L- My Little Pony. Or My Little Pony. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Danny um, and the, the My Little Ponies. Yeah. Tried to use a Rube Goldberg machine. And now they used one in this episode. Yeah, it must have been a big thing. Must have been a big thing. You, you remember it's in Back to the Future as well. You, you remember the game Mousetrap? Yes. Yeah. So it that must might have, been have a big made thing. that popular. I love that game. We oh. should do an episode where we just talk about games. So then, anyway, that brings us to our second episode. We went to season two, yeah. and episode two, this and I chose this one. It was Ghost Story. Um, to go with our theme of ghosts that we've had for the last few episodes. Yes. Um, and so basically here the kids all get together at a campfire to tell ghost stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Zeke, is it is it Zeke? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they tell a story about this guy named Zeke who has no nose, who is a janitor, at the, like a custodian, um, who blew up and is looking for his plunger. Right. So he's a ghost of a custodian who's, like, seeking out his plunger and basically, like, he has a mask and it's almost like a kind of Jason thing. It's Freddy Krueger, right? Because isn't that... Well, it's a mix. Okay. Because Jason is at camp. Right. And has the mask. But Freddy Krueger... Freddy is in dreams. But he was supposed to be a custodian who caught on fire. No, well, he caught on fire. He was not a custodian. Yes, he was. No, he was caught in a factory. I thought he was a custodian who molested kids. And you know, he, he was a pedophile. Set on fire. But he was they. I I don't know if he was a custodian. I know they they chased him to a factory, and that's where he was. They they burned him. They oh wow, him. we're gonna have to revisit that yeah. movie because I do not remember. Oh, they don't do that in the first one though. Do do they? I think they. Might. I don't know. Anyway, that's another one for October, possibly. Um, so anyway, this story is told about Zeke, um, and one of the girls, Telly. Uh, yep, Telly is one of the girls, and uh, the other the other kid is this new kid. This is the other thing with season two. They they moved William out, right? Who's one they, of the kids? They bring in Mike. They bring in Mike, who is blonde. William was not. He was mm-hmm. kind of William, kind of like fell into the background a little bit, at least in the episode we did yeah. on season one. But they bring in Mike, who's blonde, and he's supposed to be like a lady killer. I mean, for a 12-year-old. <laughs> for a 12-year-old. Right? And so Mike and Telly, and Telly's the sports girl, they really get, like, kind of scared by this, and they both have nightmares about Zeke. Yes. Um, And so Telly even, like, convinces the other girls, and they, like, put toothpaste around their beds because they think it's going to stop ghosts from coming. Yeah, again, there's these, like, childhood rituals. Yeah, and, it, and it's funny because they're rituals that, like, Kids hear stuff and then they mad they mess it up. Yeah. So like I first started seeing her do this and I go, oh, she's putting salt around her bed, which is a very known thing yeah. to like block demons or, or ghosts, right? Yeah. And then it, she's doing toothpaste. I'm like, okay, this is like a kid that doesn't understand this, <laughs> right? Well, it's also supposed to be funny. Yeah. Right. Um. 
And so, yeah, and so you've got this whole thing of them being scared, but Nick, who told, you know, who's kind of the bully a little bit, and who told the Zeke story, yeah, starts, like, screwing with them a little bit about it. And so they challenge him to stay out in the woods all night by himself and to not see... be killed by the by Zeke. Well, and also to prove that he's not as tough as he seems. Exactly. That everybody is afraid of something. Right. Right. Um, yeah, so I liked some of the details that I liked from this one. They, they talk about going past. Uh, they have this tag at the beginning where Budnick is carving into a tree. Donkey Lips is filming him. Mm-hmm. And something about Ugg, I forget exactly, but uh, I like that they have these, like, names for the places at their camp. The It's past the big gray rock by the sacred tree. Yes. So he's like, why are you carving into the sacred tree? Yeah. Right? Like, and I didn't have that at the camps that I went to, but I have, there's a Y camp near us, and they have names like that for all their, there's little signs, like, mm-hmm. like uh, the Green Pavilion and the Big Gray Rock, and yeah. you know, like those kind of we things. We had that. We had the Lower Lean Twos. We had Skull Field. We had um, Upper and Lower Lake. We had um, Banker, Banker One, were different cabin areas. Right. Um, yeah, we had, we had things like that we had um a bunch of family cabins that were all puns like the we blew in oh gosh oh <laughs> things boy. like that but i kind of liked that idea i love that we only hear dr khan on the loudspeaker we never see you him. never see him yeah i think that's kind of funny um i also love that the kids have a choice we had this in our academic camp a lot of times they they'd like tell you on the schedule like you can do a or b they have a choice between ghost stories or bingo. Yeah, and so everyone's at the ghost stories. <laughs> I just thought yeah. that was hilarious. Um, I just think that's kind of and funny. And then they roll into the new introduction, which I feel bad for kind of William who left because they refilm the whole introduction almost shot for shot. Yeah. But the kid's are a little older and now they've replaced William with Mike and, in his lines and everything. And they have, except that even what I said, what I put in my notes here was still off key like yeah. they didn't try to re- they didn't try to change that up yeah you know um which i just thought was kind of funny in this episode Budnick's a lot meaner and it's hard to remember because we only saw two and then i did watch part of the first episode as well i didn't have time for more than that this week i was quite busy but um Budnick reminded me of Corey Feldman, and I don't know if he was kind of doing that on purpose, but mm. he is, like, smart mouth, quick talk, you know, yeah. like that kind of thing. In the other episode, because Ellen was the Hellion, he tried to kind of commiserate with her as, like, the bad boy of the group, but here he's just really mean to people, yeah. and he really is, as you said, kind of a bully. He was supposed to be kind of the bully of the group, but, I mean... To a point. Obviously, Nickelodeon or Disney or whatever are not going to have, like, a really mean bully. Right. But to a point, there was going to be some, you know, be a bully. I think they tried to have it, tried to have sections, like, in the first season where he tried to relate to Ellen. First off, because she was a little bit of a bully. Right. But secondly, I mean, you, you can't, you don't want to have, a, in a kid's show, a character who's completely unrelatable. Mm-hmm. So he's got to have some kind of things that people can be like, okay, I don't hate him. Yeah, some kind of redeemable. You know, it's bad enough he's a ginger already. Stop. No. That. <laughs> That's not nice. And I will say, too, that my my memory of this is that as a kid, I read him as, like, the cool guy. 
as an adult, I'm like, he's a bully and he needs some discipline. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, that was the problem is he was always tended, he, they expected him to be the bully. And in the first season, William was supposed to be like the cool, likable guy. And he he wasn't stand out enough. Yeah, that's the thing. So then they brought Mike in to try to be the cool right. guy. But both of them, this is the, di- like, they don't have the magnetism that yeah. the kid who played Bug Nick, Bud Nick has, like, a st- oh, I, I don't know if it's like star power, but yeah. I guess in this That's show. That's the problem. He yeah. was out, he, Butnick was outstarring other guys. Yeah. And so they had to do something different. I feel like if they had left it on long enough that it would have been, be- it would have become more like a Zach Morrison character where he's kind of mean to people, but he's like, he is like the cool guy that the girls like and like right. the, the people watching, it's like aspirational. It, well, it almost looked with looks and everything. That was kind of where they were trying to go with Mike. Yeah, but... He was like a young Zach Morris, almost, that they thought they were great. No offense to the actor, but it's like... It's like a... Like a saltine cracker <laughs> versus, like, a s'more. Do you right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's just no yeah. flavor there. What did you think about the things they were afraid of? I thought that was kind of interesting. Mike's got this stuffed hippo. Oh, yeah. Mike has a stuffed hippo that he's brought to camp that is hidden. It's like mm-hmm. his, you know, his his... Um, stuffed animal. It's his comfort so object. He, which is not unlike, I mean, for 11, 12 years old even, even into 13, there are a lot of people who still have stuffed animals on their bed and things mm-hmm. like that, right? But they wouldn't bring it to school and show people. So he's afraid of people seeing his stuffed animal. And so, you know, he's got this nightmare of everyone seeing it and, and you know, things like that. And then the telly the girl wait but then he wakes up and he throws it out yeah he does throw out the animal because he's afraid of of people finding out and on the one hand it's so sad you know because like a kid should just be a kid on the other hand sometimes peer pressure is not the worst thing in the world right and you don't really want your kid like going to college i mean i guess sometimes people do go to college and bring like a stuffed animal with them though don't they yeah, girls m- m- yeah. more so than, than guys. But. but even then, it's more like to make it look more like home. It's right. not like because I have to sleep yeah. with this. But at twelve, at twelve or thirteen, he is not. A, that's not a, a ridiculously old age. For, no, for, it really even isn't. for a boy to have. No, a it's animal. not. It's not. Um, so yeah, Telly the girl is. Uh, she's the sports girl. <laughs> this is my favorite. Part. And so Zeke in her nightmare says, "You know, you just want to dream of of of." Of balling. She says... Because she wants to do basketball. He says, I'll grant your greatest wish. And she says, I want to play ball. And he takes her to... He takes her to a formal ball and makes her dress like a princess, which is the worst thing she... She's, like, afraid of being a prissy girl. she's like, I don't want to be a press! I just thought it was hysterically funny. Also, because legitimately, I had... Almost that exact dress that she's wearing. She's wearing, um, I don't, other, of course you do. other girls are, are other women my age now. They might remember Laura Ashley. Laura Ashley were these dresses that had like floral patterns on them. And they looked like, um, they looked like something out of like almost the 1800s, but a little bit updated, but not by it much. It looked like your grandma's couch. Um, kind of, <laughs> kind of, Yeah. Yeah, um, I'll show you later a picture. If I if I can find it, I will post it on the blog. Okay. I'll post a picture of me on the blog along with the recipe. Um, yeah, so or on Facebook maybe. So um, 
they they admit some of their fears to their friends. Budnick overhears. He makes fun of them. And then they have this interesting sequence where, again, it's all based on a prank. Right. They're going to take him out to the woods. They're going to prank him. Donkey Lips has a pumpkin head that he can't see out of. Yeah. Um. They also have like a trap. So he's setting up traps because he knows that they're going to prank Yeah, him. he's going to outsmart them. So he kind of sets up traps. But they plan on like pretending to be ghosts. One of them's going to pretend to be the actual Zeke, like dressed up as him. Right? They all have different options. And, of course, he catches pretty much all of them in traps. Yeah, but then, then we come to his downfall because his Achilles heel is spiders. Yes. <laughs> so he runs into a big web. There's spiders. And he's like, oh, help, help. Yeah. And then he has to admit that um, he's not that tough of a guy. Uh, my favorite part of this whole section, I thought that the donkey lips and the pumpkin head was kind of ridiculous, a little over the top. That's TV, right? Right. I also, it was over the top, but I did think was funny that he set a trap and Ugg steps in it and Ugg's just hanging upside down. Yes. But they forget about him. Yeah. Until Donkey Lips comes stumbling into him because he can't see in his Yeah, his, and then they both head. freak out. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of a, a fun episode um, and a fun couple of episodes that we watched. So, Steve, how did other people feel about it? How was it received at the time? So, reception. Um, Salute Your Shorts holds a 75% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Which That's is pretty, pretty good. good. Um, That's fresh. Uh, Entertainment Weekly at the time gave the series a B plus, comparing it favorably to Meatballs, the movie. Okay. Um, yeah. Along those lines, um, and so uh, Lynn Hefferly of the Los Angeles Times described the premiere as a gen- a general celebration of crudility, stupidity, and, irrever- and irreverence. I I agree. Okay. <laughs> with that, I agree um, with that assessment. Uh, the. Let's see, the A.V. Club praised the second season edition of Blake Soper as Pinsky, um, who I'm assuming is Mike. Yes. Um, arguing that while he was not a clear protagonist, um, like William was during the first season, his his basically neutrality kind of strengthened the group. Oh, okay. Because he didn't go, he was kind of friends with the girls and with the guys, and he wasn't really, he wasn't a bully, but he also wasn't, like, weak and in the background yeah, as much. Yeah, I get that. So, awards-wise, the show was nominated for Outstanding Young Ensemble Cast in a Television Series okay. at the 13th Youth in Film Awards mm-hmm. in 91. Um, Danny Cooksey was nominated for Best Young Actor Starring in a cable series. Um, I believe he played Butnick. Yes. And so he was nominated as Best Young Actor. Starring in a cable series. Michael Bauer won Best Young Actor co-starring. And he played Donkey Lips. He played Donkey Lips. Mm -hmm. Trevor Eister was nominated in the same category. Oh, wow. Okay. Was he... Was He, he was the smart kid? I think so. I think he played Sponge, yeah. Okay. Um... Heidi Lucas won Best Young Actress co-starring in a cable series at the 14th Youth and Family Awards. Okay. Uh, Megan, Megan Berwick and Venus DeMilo were nominated in the same category. Okay. So Heidi Lucas played the nature girl. Right. And she um, won Best Actress. 
but both the other two girls were nominated in the right. same category. Venus de Milo played Telly, and then um, the other girl, we Megan Berwick. Megan Berwick, we didn't see as much, but she played like the wealthy girl. She played, like, the yeah, rich, the, yeah, the prissy kind the of, kind of prissy, girl. Yeah. Yep. The show was the second highest rated cable TV series with children 6 to 11 at the start of its second season in 92. Nice. Which is pretty impressive. Despite, despite being in reruns for four years, the show finished as one of the 15 highest rated basic cable series of 96. So four years after being in reruns, yeah. it still was one of the 15 highest rated cable shows. Well, that's the thing that I was saying. Like, I can still, I it, I think my brother watched it longer than I did. But the thing is, you would, you would like... Be flipping around the TV and like randomly it would be on and maybe you saw that episode or maybe you didn't. Yeah. You know? And on June 7th, 2004, the, the show aired for the last time on Nickelodeon. Wow. It, it, 2004. It, 2004. It aired as part of a of a program. It won, it, was, it won the fan vote as part of the network's 25th anniversary You Pick Live programming. Oh, okay. So people could call, people could call in or... I doubt he may be emailing in 2004, but they could basically send in votes for the, the shows they wanted to see on this live event, and it won the fan pick. Okay. And it was shown for last time. So how did we feel about it? This was your first kind of viewing. Why don't you go first? What are your overall impressions? What's your rating? Well, we talked about some of the downsides. I mean, the camera work was a little amateur-y. Yeah. Um, that di- but I did feel that that fed into this. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, it was, it's not my type of thing. I did. I thought the show was good. We talked about both episodes. But I'm going to be honest. Like, even back then, I didn't watch a lot of this kid's kind of stuff. Because I'm more of a sci-fi person or I was watching, like, mysteries or horror. It just wasn't my genre as much. Well, it's in this weird space, it, and it's meant for, and, and when we do Saved by the Bell, that's why I keep comparing it, because it is a middle grade show. Yeah. It's meant for kids who have aged out of cartoons, but might not really be watching, like, the 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock sitcoms their parents are watching. Yes. Like, my mom was watching, like, Simon and Simon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. That's not necessarily a show that I guess that was probably before this, but just as an example, yeah. right? So I'm gonna go with seven cabins. Oh wow, okay. All right. I mean, it was good enough, and it was a. I, I think it was. You know, I would. Well, I would let kids watch this. Um, even with like the fart stuff, it's a little irrelevant. But there's a lot worse now on TV. Yeah. So I I would do that. I like the camp theme of it. I think the characters were okay. But, you know, it wasn't anything crazy. And I think that about goes even because, like, Rotten Tomatoes was 75, 7 out of 10 is about a C. Yeah. That's what I would give it. All right. So I think there there's a lot of points that I agree with you on. I think, you know, it's interesting. The acting isn't always the strongest, but it is just supposed to be kind of normal kids, right? Yeah. The camera work we've talked about. These episodes, I will say, too, I paused a couple times. They felt very long. And I will say that hearing from Steven Slavnik, it seems like that was deliberate. Like, a lot of kids' shows are like, quick cut, quick cut, quick cut. Yes. But this was because it's at camp. It's like a lazy summer I kind of thing. Too. But I guess maybe I don't have the patience for that. I felt it, too. I thought yeah. that these, you know, I, were these half-hour shows? They were half-hour, and they it felt, felt like 45 minutes. like 45 minutes, minutes they yes. They were really, like, 26. And... If you, it's the same thing with some of this older stuff. If you go like way back, 
And like, if you watch like the Andy Griffith episode, now, if you watch an episode of that, they're, they're almost 30 because they didn't have as many commercials. They feel like they're an hour and a half. Yeah. Because the editing is quite different and the story beats are different. The quickness of the dialogue, right? That kind of thing. I did think I like how they kind of play with the stereotypes. It's a little bit breakfast clubby, right? Mm. We're trying to go beyond just who is this sports girl? Why is she afraid of being a press? Yes. Why, why is going to a ball her worst nightmare? Um, the popular guy who for a 12 year old is kind of a ladies man, but he has a stuffed animal. Right. right? Those kind of things. I really enjoyed that. It was a nice throwback for me. Did it ruin my childhood? No. Do I think it holds up? Eh, I don't know. I it, Like, if we sat down like, well, our, our nieces are probably about the, the right age for this. Yeah. If we sat them down, I think they'd get bored very quickly. But as you said, most kids aren't going to camp. Yeah, they so haven't they been to camp, really. They don't have... Even if, even for the kids who have been a week, like you and I think of it differently because we were there the whole summer as yeah. counselors, they don't have the same frame of reference. I don't no, think. they don't have the connection either. Like yeah. when I was at camp, I ended up writing, um, I ended up with like eight pen pals and a couple of them, like when I went to the academic camp, I wrote to them the entire year. Like we wrote back and forth to each other for a year and then saw each other at camp again the next year. Sweetie, you had pen pals? Yeah. Oh, sweetie. We didn't have social media and you, and back then. And you were then. at church camp, an academic camp. Was was your childhood filmed in front of a live studio audience? No, it was just very lonely. But at, okay. at academic camp, I felt like I was with other kids like me. Okay. And at church camp, again, as a, as a person who, as a kid and even now, is a very strong Christian, I, I just, I don't want to, but that's how yeah. I... That I didn't have that in common with a lot of people like in my school. Right. So when I went to church camp, that was a place where I could like openly worship and talk about my faith and think about things like that. So yeah, I formed really strong relationships there that I didn't find as much with when you're at school, you're just put into a classroom with people your same age who live in your same area of the country. Right. Right. When you go to a, a sports camp, an academic camp, a fun, there's a fun Boy Scouts there. camp. Yeah, yeah, there's common interest. So I think that that's one of the reasons the people that I went that I worked with at camp. Some of them are still my Facebook friends and I haven't seen them in, you know, 30 years. Yeah. But there's that commonality there. Um, strong. Fr- anyway. So, yeah. So, so what's your rating? Rate, in some ways it holds up. In some ways it doesn't. I, I'm going to go with the same one as you on this. I'm going to go with a seven. Okay. A fun show, a good show, great memories. Um, I, It's a good revisit. You know, when I go back and watch all 26 episodes, probably not. No. Might I, I later? I don't think I could. Like, you know, that's a little too slow They're for too me. slow for me. Yeah, it's a little too slow. But, but. but for what it is, for the audience it is, I think it's good. Yeah. So, so. Yeah. Seven cabins out of ten. Seven out of ten cabins for Salute Your Shorts. And we have two things coming up. Um, And we don't have the segment, What is Steve Willing to Watch? Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because our next summer movie, our last summer movie, really. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's sad. The summer's ending. Um, Our last summer movie, also camp-themed, 
is Camp Nowhere, and that is coming next week. Yep. We also have a bonus episode. We had a fan request from Sarah who said, please do Double Dare. Remember that show? Question <laughs> mark. And I was like, I do remember that show. We do that remember show. that show, Sarah. Um, normally, I would have Steve maybe pick a couple episodes. They're very much the same. Um, it was a game show. Because it's so a it's game kinda, yeah. show. But also... I could only find a few episodes yeah. of it. So we're basically, we're going to watch a couple of the ones that are available. Sounds good. So that is what is coming up. Please remember to rate and leave comments, especially on our Facebook. We do um, have some room for bonus episodes here and there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do want to know what you think. And um, I just want to say thanks to everybody. We have... We kind of, I don't want to say exact numbers because these come out later, but we had kind of a goal for where we wanted to be in terms of downloads and number of listeners and subscribers by this point in the summer, and we're way beyond. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we really are. Um, so we have uh, almost 500 subscribers right now. We just wanted to give you guys a shout out and say thanks. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Bye. Bye. This podcast is supported by its creators and listeners like you. Help keep our show ad-free by visiting our website, StopRuiningMyChildhood.com. There you can find links to our social media. And this very podcast you're currently listening to. Both Megan and I are authors, and you can find links to our books on our About page. And on our Watch With Us page, you can find videos and links for all the shows and movies we discuss on the podcast. And more importantly, links to buy the nostalgic snacks we review as well. We also post bonus content about once a month. So like, subscribe, and follow. For a small independent podcast like ours, it really does make a difference. Thanks.